All right, we are back. I'm Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. And standing by to join me is Robin Benoit. We're going to talk about her book, her third book, The 80-Year-Old Sorority Girls. It is out now. It's getting great reviews. And she's here to join us. Hi, Robin. Hi. Congratulations on this book. Thank you. I love the cover. (laughs) You want to describe it? Can you describe the cover? Uh, The cover is a very vibrant, hot pink, and it is the hand of an older woman holding a balloon. And the title of the the book, The 80-Year-Old Sorority Girls, is written on the big pink balloon. It's just very bright and cheerful looking. I love it. Now, this story uh, features Vivian, and she has Alzheimer's, and this was related to your own story, right? Uh, Yes, my mother had Alzheimer's, and I decided to use that experience that I had with my mother as kind of what drove the story about these sorority women. Okay. And may I ask, how old was she when she was diagnosed? Uh, Well, my mother was officially diagnosed at about 83, and she passed away at 85, but I believe Mm -hmm. my mother really had dementia, Alzheimer's, back as early as like her 78th, 79th birthday. Okay. Tell me why you wanted to write this book. Was it also healing? Did you want to explore this topic more? Was it a whole bunch of things? It really started out because of the negative stereotypes I keep seeing about sorority girls. And for many years, that's really bothered me. There's just so many things out there that are not painting a true picture Mm -hmm. of what the sorority experience is. And mine has been extremely positive and special, both as a collegiate member and as an alum. And I just wondered to myself, how would the world ever know and really understand what sorority sisterhood is if we don't share these stories and Mm -hmm. talk about it? And so it was you know, running into books like The Twisted Sisters and The Deadly Sorority and The Haunting of Sorority Row and things like that that made me just feel like I wanted to write a positive sorority story. And that's where this idea came from. Definitely. Do you want to give us a sense of the book without giving too much away? Well, it's the story of, like you said, the character Vivian, and her nickname is Button. And Button has Alzheimer's, and she has no family remaining. And her closest friends, her uh, four sorority sisters, uh, rally around her to support her and help take care of her, and they take turns dropping in to see her at her assisted living center, and Vivian, in her Alzheimer's mind, is very confused. She thinks they're all sorority girls again. She thinks they're young. Uh, She has flashbacks to a time when they were uh, together, when they were, you know, in their sorority house on campus. 50, 60 years prior, and it's just the story of friendship and love and how they take care of this special person. Okay, I'm ready to write your screenplay. <laughs> well, I'll let you. <laughs> I, I really, I mean it. I I look at this, and I'm thinking, I could write the script. I mean, it's such a beautiful story. It's a movie that I would go see. Thank you. I really felt as I wrote it, it felt cinematic at times, the way that it just laid out. So thank you for saying that. Well, I feel that there are not a lot of movies. I mean, there was Cocoon, but there's not a lot of movies that 
feature, you know, older adults, maybe some of their struggles. That I, I feel like I want more touching mo- moments when I go to the movies. Exactly. And several years ago, I really loved the movie Still Magnolias. Yes. And I feel like somebody said this was the Golden Girls meet Still Magnolias, thank goodness, because we just mm-hmm. do not have enough baby boomer stories out there. Right. And especially positive ones about how um, vital these relationships are. And I, I, it was just such an honor to write this once it got going. I'll just share a little side note. The reason I also said this is because I had a beautiful relationship with my grandmother, and there were some really funny moments that I would spend with her, and I think that's what encouraged me to write. And I love how you, I mean, you took from your own life, but this is something that people go through all the time. Alzheimer's is very prevalent. Oh, it is. It's, it's, I mean, it impacts, like, Six million people, and I read the other day that there are over 11 million Americans that provide unpaid care for people with Alzheimer's, meaning family members. Yes. And it's everywhere. And, you know, I felt when I was a caregiver that there just was not enough support in my community, and I'm hoping that we can really change that. Let's talk about sorority life, because I was not part of a sorority. Some people have, you know, preconceived notions. Tell me what it was like for you. Well, it was wonderful for me. I I signed up on the absolute last day that you could sign up, because I didn't know anything about it. No one in my family had ever been in a sorority. And um, I went because my high school girlfriend said it would be a great way to make friends. And I thought, okay, I'll give this a try. And strangely enough, of all of the high school friends, I'm the one that seems to have stayed involved forever with it. They just really, truly loved it. That's funny. It's, it's not at all what you see in movies. It's learning how to be philanthropic. It's learning to care about your community, about a national philanthropy, to throw your support behind other young women your same age, to learn how to use your resources and learning how to network and learning to become a leader. And I just took so many great positives from that experience of, you know, living day in and day out with as many as, you know, 80 other young women and learning how to uh, solve conflicts in person and not avoid them. And I just learned so many things. I really, truly grew up in a sorority house on a college campus. And I can't speak highly enough about it. Now, this is not your first book. You were telling me you've written two others? I have, yes. You want to share what those I've are written, about? Yes, I'm, I've written two books previously about the subject of vision therapy. It's one. The first one was called Jillian's Story, How Vision Therapy Changed My Daughter's Life. And the second one is Dear Jillian, Vision Therapy Changed My Life Too. And that book was um, inspired by people who wrote to my daughter and shared their experience and their success with vision therapy. And although those two books are nonfiction and a completely different approach to writing, they were also kind of um, inspired by our personal experience as a family. And somebody asked me, well, why do you do that? And, I, mm-hmm. and I, my answer is, you know, that I can write what I know. And I think when you can share something that's deeply personal that you think will help other people, it gives you incentive and it gives you a motivation and a caring 
about the story and about what you're doing. What exactly is vision therapy? Uh, Vision therapy is through the field of optometry, so you can find it in some optometry offices with optometrists around the country. They are specialized optometrists, and it is um, learning to see and work through uh, a series of exercises that train your eyes and brain to work back together well. So in my daughter's case, she has what they call amblyopia, which is basically legally blind in one eye. And Mm -hmm. she was able to, through vision therapy, to, uh, as long as she's got on glasses or contacts, she sees 20-20. And she regained her peripheral vision and her depth perception and functions completely normally. And um, That's incredible. Well, and I wrote those two books, especially the first one, because I couldn't find anything to read about it that wasn't like a medical journal. Sure. And I thought, well, if I can't find information about it, then no one else can either. So I wrote the book, I Wish that I could have found. No, that makes total sense. That's what we do as writers. Right. You know? I wanted to um, talk about Alzheimer's for a second because for some people it's a slow process. And I remember my grandmother, I I wasn't able to see her. She was in Florida. And I remember calling her up on her birthday, which was also Mother's Day at the same day. And um, the nurse said, oh, she's really not speaking to anybody lately. So I said, well, can you just put the phone to her ear? And I remember saying, hi, Grandma, happy birthday, happy Mother's Day. And all of a sudden she says, oh, hi, sweetie pie. (laughs) And they were shocked. And Mm -hmm. I had sent her flowers and Snickers because that was her favorite candy bar. And um, yeah, so it's it's so it's a very interesting uh, experience because, like I said, it's not the same for everyone. And I remember also I wrote about the power of music in Alzheimer's patients. I've seen documentaries on this. Um, what was your experience like? Many of the things that you just said are in okay. this book. Yeah. So I think you're going to love it. And similar things. Um, my mother loved Hershey's Kisses. <laughs> there you and go. Um, I remember taking them to her and she'd be like, oh, I can't believe you should be able to sneak these in. Mm-hmm. And, and then within a year, she'd be like, oh, I don't like those, you know, like, what? <laughs> yeah, and just her personality really changed. Um, yeah. She, and I wasn't expecting it, but she got delusional, mm-hmm. had hallucinations. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a really hard disease. And I think it's exceptionally hard because it's different for a lot of people. Yes. It's not like there's a script for what you're going to go through with definitely, it. Definitely. And, you know, there, there are just a lot of things. There's one scene in the book that my publisher asked me, like, are you sure you want to publish this? And I said, yeah, I do, because this is based on this particular section is based on something that happened to my mother. And my mother was like June Cleaver, if you know what I'm talking about. She was a yes. 1950s housewife that wore a dress every day, probably pearls. Um, her house was immaculately clean, and it just got to where my mother didn't care for her own hygiene mm-hmm. at all. And she even got so confused in the middle of the night that she was trying to use her laundry basket as a toilet. Yeah. And, Happens. Yeah. you know, I, I yeah. really struggled with how much she changed. It's very hard to be a witness. It's so it's an understatement. Yeah. Well, one mm-hmm. of the things I want to um, also mention is that 
you highlight the importance of intergenerational relationships, especially, you know, with COVID, a lot of people were pushed aside to keep them safe, but they got even more isolated and depressed and alone. But you highlight the importance of really connecting with with people, especially older people. Absolutely. One of the keys that I've read a lot about with dementia is how bad isolation is, especially in the early phases. And so when I was writing the story, I didn't keep it to be just about the older women. Um, one of my favorite characters in the story is named Lainey, and she is Vivian's really big sister. And Lainey's entire family, her son and daughter-in-law and her granddaughter, who plays a huge role, her name is Lottie. Lottie adores these women, and they love her. And the relationship they have together is so much fun to watch. And um, there's many younger characters in the story. The nurse at the assisted living center is a younger man, and I just loved him. The more I wrote what he thought and felt and did, the more I just loved him, and I loved the relationship that he had with Vivian. I love that. I want to point out um, that you shared some information uh, for people that want to find out more about Alzheimer's. It's the Alzheimer's Association at ALZ.org. There's a helpline number, 800-272-3900, and a senior care website, dailycaring.com. Anything else you wanted to share with us? Well, I would just say about that helpline, it's um, fabulous. I called it myself, and I gave the character Lainey the, um, that whole process of calling that helpline. I gave her those helpless feelings of reaching out and talking to somebody. And when I called personally about my mother, they answered at 2 in the morning. And 2 in the morning? I cannot recommend <sighs> them enough. They were so helpful. Wow. That that's outstanding when you think about that. Yes. I mean, I really thought I would get a recording and I thought, well, I'll just leave my name and number and somebody will call me. And this man, he, he answered. And I said, it's two in the morning, my time. I don't know where you are. And he goes, well, it's two o'clock in the morning, my time too. And I said, but let's talk. Wow. And I had the oddest question for him. I said, um, I tried to jog my mother's memory today. She had forgotten that my dad had passed away. And I just tried to jog her memory. And he said, you know what? You need to stop doing that. Yes. You need to let her reality be your reality. And I said, then I'm going to end up lying to my mother. And he goes, that's okay. Yeah. And I said, you really think it's okay for me to lie to my mother, like, excessively? And he said, yes, lie your butt off. Those were his exact words. Yeah. And it made life so much easier. From that moment Were on. you battling that thought at first and then you let it go? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you have to do. Because you don't want to upset them. No, and I was. I was upsetting her. And yeah. it was upsetting me because I just wanted her to snap out of it. And I just did not have the tools that I needed to understand what I was dealing with. Yeah. I feel like the experience is really this is kind of blunt, but a runaway train, a runaway train mm-hmm. that you really can't control. That's a great description. You, really? I mean, I've, I've faced this before where you just cannot, you have no control over this. The only control you have yes. is how you take care of yourself. 
It's absolutely true. And I'm very fortunate because in our town are also my brother and sister and a bunch of nieces and nephews and my husband and my children. And it took the whole family to really care for my mother. I believe it. Yeah. So what what does your family think about this book? Um, They, well, they're super supportive, I would say. Um, It was hard, I think. It's been pretty emotional for them to go back and know that very much of the story, especially the Alzheimer's part of it, was what we went through. It's Mm -hmm. true. And yet it's been therapeutic as well for all of us. Because I think we were all carrying a bit of guilt that we didn't recognize that the things the, the things that my mother was doing back in her late 70s were dementia. We just thought it was natural aging. Like, oh, she's forgotten to balance her checkbook. She forgot to pay some bills. She, um, she kept asking me to bring her 12 packs of Diet Coke. I'm like, Mom, I just brought you one yesterday. And mm, I thought she yeah. was putting them in the garage or she just wasn't remembering where they were. And then we found the trash can and there were like 12 cans a Diet Coke empty in the trash can. She was drinking one right after the other, not remembering she just had one. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So the signs were there. You just didn't realize. We didn't realize, but her doctor confessed to me that he, too, did not realize that he and many doctors are just as confused about the early stages of dementia as anyone else. And my mother was really a good poser. I mean, she was go in to see the doctor and she would always remember to say, I was your very first patient. And, you yeah. know, just little things that she knew he liked to hear. Yeah. She and knew so what to he say. didn't see what we saw. Right. Yeah. No, they know what to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, I like the fact, maybe this is because I'm a writer, that you instilled your experiences into your book because it's a place to put your experiences and your memories and it's out there in the world absolutely i i love doing that the the character of vivian is loosely based on a an elderly sorority sister that i knew and adored whose name was vivian so i named her after her and she passed away in 2011 she lived to be 95 years old and i just loved her sorority stories i i loved hearing you know about her being in trouble for playing her Victrola too loud or, you know, she loved um, movie stars and she had big crushes on movie stars back then. And um, I just really, really adored her. And so I used her as an inspiration for my fictional Vivian. I love it. Where can people find out more about you? Um, easy. It's robinbenoit.com. And the last name is B. E-N-O-I-T, com, And you can find the book uh, in, uh, online everywhere they sell them. So I would say Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, etc. You can also order directly from com through my publisher. And I'm told because of uh, supply chain, sometimes going straight through them is quicker. But okay. they are available everywhere. Okay, great. And congratulations, uh, this is a great book, and it must be feel really good to get it out in the world. Thank you. I appreciate it, and it, it really, really does. It feels great. I want to just mention, uh, if you've missed any part of my conversation with Robin, it will be up on the show blog within an hour after I wrap, and the show blog is org. 
Thanks for calling in. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. That was Robin Benoit, author of The 80-Year-Old Sorority Girls. Again, all the info is on the show blog, and you can listen to the the podcast. It'll be up within an hour, and at the top of the hour, Sheldon Abbott is standing by with Cure for the Blues. If you want to find out about being a guest, you can just shoot me an email to Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, at org.